1: So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio.
0: I know where you really wish you were right now was on Netflix, listening, watching volume one of Harry and Meghan, because you were so enamored by the royal drama. I, I actually really do want to watch this. I tried to put it on earlier and then just didn't have time. I'm totally going to watch the first installment of Harry and Meghan bashing their family. And, and here's why. Not because I want to condone like the gossip and the ridiculousness. I think a lot of this is really sad. I'm sure there are some legitimate things that happened to Harry, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle that really did hurt them. But I don't think that it's as bad as they claim. And I really don't respect the whole, let's create an identity and an income uh, based on how I want to say I'm a victim and I want to say you're a victimizer. Uh, so anyways, it'll be really fascinating to see. Uh, let me know your thoughts on the whole Harry and Meghan Markle uh, film or whatever you want to call it, two-part installment on Netflix. And just to be clear, I did make it as far as about 45 seconds in when I started it earlier. And the disclaimer is members of the royal family declined to comment on the content within this series. I'll be interested to see if there's any response from the palace. I don't think there will be. But hey, in more exciting news, because who really cares about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle anymore after all the drama they keep trying to bring to themselves? Um, I am still cooking. The baby is still here, and I'm still with you. You know, I was really, really been shooting for today to be the day that we have the baby. I know it's a little early, um, but with the preterm labor and everything kind of settling down, it being safe to have the baby now, I'm like, why not? You can come early, 12 days early. The Feast of the Immaculate Conception, I'll share with you a little bit why. We're going to dive in a little later today during the show, discussing what the Immaculate Conception is, what it means for you and I, and I'll share some really neat personal stories that have helped me personally to understand the significance of the Immaculate Conception as well and actually has to do with having the gift of having children, uh, when we didn't know that that was necessarily going to be something that happened for us. So joining me today on Trending, I'm joined by my guest Pam Stenzel, a dear friend. She is a pro-life hero and warrior. She runs multiple crisis pregnancy resource clinics for women in Florida, especially servicing the universities there in Florida. And she has worked for years as a chastity speaker, calling people to the great great vocation we're all called to of chastity and abstinence. Uh, Very candidly, she speaks to thousands upon thousands of people every single year and has had a great influence on me and many others, helping understand why sexual integrity is so important. But I wanted to dive in today to a film I recently found out about called Call Jane. And it's a movie about back alley abortions, basically. And it was timely released right before the midterm elections. Planned Parenthood is using it as as a key fundraiser tool they're doing screenings of it came out in october it's available now for streaming on netflix not that I recommend it, uh, but it's really interesting because it really does try to portray this underground abortion network that would have happened prior to Roe versus Wade and how women had access to abortion. Basically trying to claim that back alley abortions were the way women were getting abortions and it was women helping women. So I want to talk a little bit about this film, the influence, and kind of just the reality of how they're trying to say this is what abortion is in a post-Roe America. Pam Sendel's with me now. Pam, welcome back to- to trending. What do you think of the film?
1: Oh, great to be with you. And I have spent the last 20 minutes trying to, <laughs> trying to find out what I could about this film and, and interestingly, Timmy, it took me 10 Google pages and I still couldn't come up with one. Like I was looking for anyone, The Daily Wire, Students for Life, just anybody that I would trust to uh, you know, give me some insight uh and uh couldn't find it. So uh, maybe after the show we'll 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 find that. But when I watched the trailer, it was so typical of the propaganda that we've been hearing for the better part of five decades uh, uh, from the the pro-abortion world that basically you know abortions are necessary. They're going to happen whether whether they're legal or not. And it seems to me, and maybe you know more, Timory, but the the woman that is kind of the the main focus of the of the documentary, this is uh, all taking place in the Chicago area, kind of the the, the underground women helping women concept in Chicago. But it was, was a married woman, second pregnancy, and doctors all telling her she had a 50-50 chance to survive it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. of a heart condition. Yeah, which I, I we can give you story after story of women who've been told that it will kill them, the baby won't survive all these horrifying medical reasons why uh, they can't give birth. And and at the end of the day, nine times out of 10, even with today's technology, uh, medicine is wrong. And certainly in the 60s, medicine was wrong more than not. And so, uh, uh, you know, they've got to come up with this fictitious whole situation to overshadow the reality that, 99% 99% of all abortions are done out of convenience.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And we've also addressed the issue that this claim that is it the life of the mother versus the life of the baby? And pop culture says, well, of course we fight for the life of the mother because, you know, why would we fight for the baby in a Roe versus Wade world where we devalue children who are smaller and we're bigger and so we can pick on little babies because they're under the veil of the womb? And we've had multiple OBGYNs here on Trending actually talking about why we should never have to vet one patient against the other any patient mm-hmm. against the other, especially mom versus baby. It's not a thing that OBGYNs have to or need to do. So we're going to post a link to some of those episodes addressing specifically that. But I find it fascinating that this film called Jane, that Planned has used as a fundraising tool, tool and kind of discreetly, I think they've done a really good job of targeting it just to people within their own network and utilizing it to influence and almost like um, get the crowd worked up who is already upset about Roe versus Wade being over returned. It's almost like an activist piece in some ways. And again, that whole women helping women idea. But this woman, the lead lead character, uh, has this health scare, as you mentioned. This health condition leads her to stand before a medical board where she's petitioning permission to quote-unquote terminate her pregnancy, right, to have a baby. And they show this meeting with the hospital board where it's all men who decide to dismiss her case. And that leads her into the arms of this network um, that they refer to as called Jane. And she keeps asking, who's Jane? And the whole idea is that every single woman in this network identifies as Jane. And Jane is the woman who helps you to get abortion. an abortion. So sure enough, the lead character ends up going through with getting the abortion. Gets wrapped up in this back alley abortion network and through her own involvement she sits there helping coaching and holding women's hands she helps in determining all of these they claim all of these women who are requesting access to abortion, they have to decide. They're the gatekeepers because they can only give so many um, give so many women access to their back alley abortion procedures. So they're reading through the sad circumstances of one woman after another after another as they choose which woman will have the abortion. And which one they will not be able to help, uh, just showing that you know one women don't have access, one the terrible circumstances in which women are, and that whole focus, Pam, of back alley abortions. Uh, it's heartbreaking to see that there's actually a film and with kind of some bigger name um, actresses in particular being a part of the film uh, that pushed this abortion narrative that's such a lie and doesn't follow on the medical data of today or the medical data of prior to Roe versus Wade being overturned when legal abortions actually were occurring at that time.
1: For sure. I mean, if, if every, everyone who's listening gets a chance to, to listen to the testimony of Dr. Nathanson, who was the head of NARAL uh, and, and was the big push for legal abortion back in that, in that time, he clearly stated after his conversion and then uh, becoming pro-life that they made up those back alley abortion figures out of whole cloth. They, they were completely made up because they knew that they had to, you know, the same way they made up the gang rape of of Jane Roe in Roe versus Wade, which was never a true statement as well. So there's so many lies that came out of that era uh, as they pushed for legalized abortion and the Supreme Court decision of Roe v. Wade, and so you know they're they're basically just you know putting Hollywood glitter on a lie that they've been telling for, forever. Uh, but the other piece of it is that the, the laws that have been passed um, since in states like California, in Prop, Prop 3 in Michigan, uh, Colorado, um, obviously New York, Illinois, and some of these other states, uh, is, is literally forcing uh, or legalizing putting, putting these so-called unsafe back alley abortion procedures and and giving permission for them to do it illegally, there's just no no reason to even call it back alley anymore. And be between allowing non physicians to perform abortions to mail ordering out these dangerous ador- abortion drugs without ever doing ultrasounds, uh, checking for ectopic pregnancy, uh, putting women at horrible hemorrhaging risk. I mean, what the industry is doing now is far worse than anything they could make up in a movie like this.
0: And you know a lot about this, Pam. You work as a senior regional clinic director for community pregnancy clinics in Central Southwest Florida. Um, You produce training workshops, helping through sexual health crises for women, training the staff, the volunteers, the medical staff. Like You know you're in the thick of the medical side, but also the real human interpersonal side of what's happening. And we see the fallout of what's happened through the seemingly choice to not become a mother today, or to stop being a mother would be the more accurate phraseology here. And you see, like, the fallout from everything from sexually transmitted diseases to the heartbreak and the damage that these girls have in trying to pick up the pieces of messy relationships that they've had because they've been using... Hormonal contraception and abortion to allow them to seemingly have fun or freedom within a relationship without benefit, without the um, being tied down to marrying someone, which goes in so many ways against what our faith as Catholics, um, what we believe and what we know to be true as a thriving means to which we follow to have a thriving relationship.
1: Correct. And the sad thing is, is that with all the damage that's being done, and and literally some of these life threatening situations, especially with chemical abortion, that these women are being sold the lie by by the feminist movement by, you know, this whole abortion, reproductive women's rights concept, that being a mother is a terrible thing and, and restrictive and is going to ruin their life. And, and that they can wait, they can wait for decades to, to decide that they might want to be a mom, maybe when they're 38 or 40. And the reality is that your biology doesn't allow that. And it certainly doesn't allow that when you've spent two decades uh, putting these damaging drugs into your system. And so, so the reality is, you know, by the time a lot of these young women wake up and realize I was sold a bill of goods and told that my nine to five, uh, my being a company hack was more important than being a mom. And and now by the time their eyes are opened to the reality of the beauty of being a mom. And, you know, I, I feel, uh, yeah, there are a lot of things that I've accomplished and, and most of it's ministry. And I'm so grateful for the ministry God's given me, but Timory, there is nothing, absolutely nothing uh, that can even compare to raising three children and Mm -hmm. and and i'm so grateful for the children that god gave me and god gave me uh, my first two young i married young and and i got pregnant like blinking uh my first two are 11 months apart and then suddenly in my mid-20s and then towards early 30s i started having trouble being able to conceive and experience some miscarriage and and i'm just so grateful for my youngest son who came when i was 32 but I can tell you right now that if I had waited and bought that whole lie that society has sold generations now of young women, um, I, I don't know that I would have ever been able to be a mother. And there's nothing in my professional life or ministry life that can even compare to, to the importance and the beauty and, and, and the love of, of being a mom.
0: Let's dive into that a little bit more. I'd love to unpack it. If you're just joining me, that's Pam Stenzel here on Trending with Timber. You're listening to Relevant Radio on the feast day, or should I say solemnity, one of the highest feast days in the church of the Immaculate Conception. Our lady who is conceived without sin. This is a dogma of the Catholic Church. We'll unpack a little bit more of what that is. But in honor of Our Lady on the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, Pam, I want to talk about the value of motherhood because what you shared was so, I think, important for many, many women. Whether you have children, you don't. Whether your children are young and you're going through the challenges of all that can bring. Or maybe, you know, you're in this tug and pull of trying to do everything from career to work to children, all of it. At Let's talk about the value of motherhood because, Pam, you're someone who's incredibly accomplished uh, in terms of your ministry work, your heart to serve and help change people's lives. And yet you speak to how motherhood is what the most valuable and effective and important thing that you've ever done. Let's connect this to Our Lady and how the current culture uh, really pushes for the antithesis of everything that the Blessed Virgin Mary represents, being everything from a virgin, a wife, a mother, uh, someone who's faithful, who loves God. Those are four things that are not popular to claim. And many people actually are even embarrassed to say today, what would you say in response to that scene, just this outright rejection of the beauty of motherhood? You know,
1: it's so sad because it started subtly, I think, you know, uh, Maybe, maybe even prior to the '60s, but you saw this subtle change and and just devaluing um, motherhood first, devaluing just the unbelievable privilege that it is to be a woman and to be able to conceive and carry a child. I mean, those those are all amazing things. Um, and and this is how God created us. This is part of this is part of you know His image. that that was stamped on us from the moment of conception. And so the society started to devalue it, devalue it. And then, you know, throw women into the whole uh, workforce world, kind of man's world demanding equality. I used to tease, I'm not so sure it's true anymore, but back in the day I said, you know, the feminist movement wanted so badly for women to be equal as men that we jumped in the gutter with them. We, we, (laughs) <laughs> elevating men to where we were would have been a better way to obtain equality but but we we did it the wrong way and uh, and but it, it's gotten so much worse Timory i just grieve for for this generation right now the students that are coming up the, the preteen teens uh, of this era because we have we have literally um, rejected god's image so profoundly that we now reject the very concept of being a woman. Mm. The fact that that the probably the best-selling documentary of 2022 will end up being a documentary called "What Is a Woman?" Because we live in a culture who thinks that they can't define what a woman actually is biologically. I mean, it is the ultimate erasing of of women and motherhood. I just saw an interview with Michael Knowles uh, uh, with a. I don't even know who she was, some crazy 20 something feminist who basically kept insisting that Michael say birthing person <laughs> and not use the word woman. And so when you just named all of the amazing, the beauty, uh, uh, the holiness of, of our blessed mother and as a convert, honestly, this is such an important and beautiful teaching that is lacking in the protestant church and so for me this is a a very important feast day and 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 just the honor and the beauty and the holiness and 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 not only of you know the immaculate conception but then beyond of mary's yes when when she was told by the angel that she would conceive our lord those are hugely important things this is where salvation of the entire human race comes from, mm. and when we yeah. devalue women and motherhood and conception and and all of that, you are, you're devaluing God Himself.
0: Mm. And it's become a joke, and I think that's what's somewhat sad. I was joking, you know, that I was going to be. If people asked what I was for Halloween. That I was. A pregnant woman because that's an anomaly today. Yeah. But how sad is it that we would even make that joke? Because I remember when I was doing, because um, I teach Pilates as well, and I was doing an extra certification in prenatal uh, workshops for women who are pregnant. And yeah. The person who is teaching it, who is a woman who is highly educated and studied in the anatomy and kinesthetics of a woman, knowing the differences between males and females down to the nitty gritty and the muscular makeup of the body, she kept saying, pregnant people and i was twitching i was absolutely twitching i'm thinking you know the differences how dare you coming from such an educated perspective uh and so this idea of birthing persons or pregnant people it's just it's sad it's really sad that we're there and i think some people really do take it as a joke which is a good thing but there's a little bit of truth in every joke, right? And I think that's the little bit of truth that is there that people have gotten to the point where they're willing to just say there is this level of ambiguity between men and women and then that we've so devalued women and motherhood as well. There's another perspective I want to touch on and hear your thoughts, Pam. Um I'm seeing with a lot of these young women today. I think there is a trend of many young girls, you know, you could argue in their early 20s or even just coming out of high school, who have that deep desire for children still kindled in their hearts, but they've not been living in a culture that's friendly toward that. And so as they're desiring marriage and they're desiring children at a very early age, which is very natural. Historically, many women got married, you know, between 17 and 20 years old. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, going back two generations ago, that was a norm. And so as these girls have this deep desire for children and marriage, They're throwing their bodies at these relationships because they want it so dearly and they're coming out with a lot of wounds along the way. Um, whether it be that they're using hormonal contraception along the way because maybe they're trying to trap a guy or maybe they're not, but then they're not getting pregnant because there's such a rise in infertility among young women today. So, you know, there's like the, on one side, almost the win of, you know, they're not getting pregnant outside of, you know, unhealthy relationships, but there's also that pull on their hearts that they've been so sexually active and children haven't resulted. So they just keep going with the status quo of the behavior they've been engaging in how do we speak into that generation who has that good desire, but doesn't know how to pull back in that self-control that they're losing and trying to seek it out?
1: I I think a lot of it is that we, that this probably, again, like you said, two generations, I would say at least two decades. uh, uh, We've separated sex from intimacy and love. So they are two different things. So, when you talk to, like when I talk to college girls today, the, the concept that sex and love or intimacy, you know, should be an expression of a love you know, or the sex should be an expression of intimacy and love that exists and not just something you do and then hope that love follows at some point, you know, so, kind of by some miracle, these girls kind of think that it's like, I'll just hop in bed and, and just see if maybe this time love will follow. And, and the reality is that's not what sex was ever meant to be. Um, and so they're, they're exchanging empty sexual behavior for what was intended to be a, a sacramental communication of of, of of commitment, right? So, so it, in a situation where a man and a woman sacramentally commit before God to love each other, freely totally faithfully and in that amazing union fruitfully when that's the way you look at sex it's a complete different issue but if you come at it where sex is just what you do and then hopefully intimacy follows later there's just it 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 doesn't work it just can't work
0: It keeps making me think of the book Cheap Sex by Mark Ragnaris. And I remember it was so frustrating to me. It was maybe five to seven years ago the book came out. And his premise of much of the book is that women are really the gatekeepers of sexual intimacy. And when women say no, they toe the line. And they really do set a baseline for the culture and for relationships. And my heart was so, you know, frustrated. Well, what about the men? But the reason why women are such strong gatekeepers is due to the fact that we are protecting and preserving motherhood. And this is what it's all about. The gift of motherhood and the potential for motherhood. That's what the gift of sexual intimacy in many ways has to do with. That's been Pam Stenzel here on Trending with Timree. Thank you so much for joining me, Pam. You can find her at pamstenzel.com. That's P-A-M-S-T-E-N-Z-E-L.com. I'll post the link on social media as well as tag her on Instagram. I'll be back talking about the Immaculate Conception. So come, oh, come Emmanuel, happy Advent, preparing the way of the Lord in our hearts and our lives and our homes. It was something fun that we did in our house. So we're trying to work on that phasing into Christmas decorations and using the feast days along the way. So, you know, St. Nicholas feast day the night before the fifth, we took out the stockings and then we ended up getting our tree um, this week, but we were slowly decorating it a little at a time. And I decided, because last year, I love white on my Christmas tree. So, last year, I bought a bunch of white roses, and my mom gifted me with my favorite white poinsettias that she had for her tree um, that I kind of asked to borrow, and then she gave to me. Um, And... I decided to put the white on today on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. I decided I wanted that to be a trend because I realized, you know, the white is the symbol of Our Lady and the Immaculate Conception, that beautiful white, that purity. Our Lady Conceived Without Sin. It was really fun because a couple of my nieces and nephews stopped by and I had the roses out and I thought, you know this is a great opportunity to bring it up. So I asked them, I said, you know what, we're gonna put white on the tree. You know why I'm putting white on the tree? And they were so sweet. They're about, you know, seven and five ish and and he said, because it's Mary's feast day, and I said yes. It's the Immaculate Conception. We talked about how Our Lady's perfect without sin, and how white is that perfect, immaculate color. So it was fun. They got it. You know, my daughter's a little too young still to understand some of that, but uh, how neat that they knew it was a feast day and they knew why, and that that connection of the white and the purity with Our Lady at such a young age. These t- simple things uh, that can be taught and encouraged to help you know prepare the way for. Doctrine that are somewhat complicated, like the Immaculate Conception. So I'll talk to you about the Immaculate Conception, what it is, and also some personal testimony, especially as to why I want my baby to come today. Let's see, how many hours do we have? I'm on, you know, Pacific time over here, so I've got less than eight hours for this baby to come. That would be great. You know what? That would be absolutely great. So I'm still rooting for today to be her birthday. A couple days ago, I thought things were heating up, and then they slowed down. So we'll see what happens. You can pray for my uh, feast day. Although my producer, Jim, has been praying against me. I really do blame him that we don't have a baby yet today, but maybe he can transition into some prayers for the baby to come today. But hey, coming up next is the Family Rosary Across America, and it's a really special episode. I hope you'll join us here on Relevant Radio. It's Father Rocky's thousandth episode of Family grows Across America, and he's joined by our very own hosts here on Relevant Radio, in the house, Drew Mariani and Patrick Madrid. So join them coming up next. Let's talk about the Immaculate Conception. We're celebrating the solemnity today of Our Lady as the perfect human being. Different from Jesus, because Jesus was both God and man, having a human nature. But a Mary, we celebrate as immaculately conceived. Mary's a beacon of light for humanity, I would argue, with this conception of being conceived immaculately. In other words, she was preserved from the stain of original sin that all of us have. It also leads us to, one, the need for baptism. And two, our tendency towards sin, also known as concupiscence. But again, Mary's that beacon of light for us, that pure White light for humanity. And I think it's especially important now when we as human beings, you and I, the people we encounter, have been degraded to such an extent that we reject the very idea of who and what we are by our very nature. We reject the idea of femininity, of masculinity. Women reject their own children. They reject that they are mothers think that they can just not become a mother, even when they've already become one. We think that we can do anything we want with our bodies and that there are no ramifications. Same-sex activity. I mean, let's talk about what monkeypox actually is, okay? I and mean, this is really how sad it is. It was so bleak against the purity of Our Lady and the Immaculate Conception. But the church was prophetic, incredibly prophetic. And the fact that the church chose... The last couple hundred of years to proclaim and clarify doctrine on Our Lady. Two specific doctrines that were clarified in the last less than 200 years were one, that Mary was immaculately conceived, conceived without sin, and two, that Our Lady was assumed into heaven. The Assumption of Our Lady into Heaven, that dogma, that doctrine was not officially acknowledged, even though it was a tradition of the church, it wasn't officially acknowledged until really just about 60, 70 years ago. But the Immaculate Conception was defined by Pope Pius IX in 1854. Right before we'd see two of these world wars that would be the most massive and dark and bleak destruction of the human person, right before we'd see the sexual revolution sweep the Western world. Pope Pius IX in 1854, right before this destruction and degradation of the value of the human person, of human life, right before that would occur. He said this about the Blessed Virgin Mary. From the first moment of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God, and in view of the merit of Jesus Christ, Savior of the human race, she was preserved from preserved free from every stain of original sin is a doctrine revealed by God and for this reason must be firmly and constantly believed by all faithful. You see, Pope Pius IX in 1854 with resounding clarity spoke to the dignity and value of one human being and that human person being the Blessed Virgin Mary. Why? Because she is someone we can aspire to to be like by the grace of God. But she herself received a very special grace. Pope John Paul II said, The Blessed Virgin is free from every stain of sin. That means she was preserved from ever falling into the hole of sin. And I know some people have a hard time wrapping their minds around, Well, why? How? Well, first of all, God is all-powerful. He can do anything He wants. But the difference between Our Lady Lady and you and I is that we, you could look at it like this. I remember it being explained to me in college, I think by Professor Dr. Michael Barber. So it's like you and I fall into a hole and we get sullied and muddied and we're impacted by that. That's the original sin. And then we still have like the aftermath of having gotten out of the, out of the hole. And that is concupiscence, right? Our tendency towards sin, our tendency toward that fall that took place, right? The, what the after effect of the fall. But Our Lady was preserved from ever falling into that hole. God preserved her. He chose to. He could because he wanted to have a perfect vessel for his son. The encyclical Fulgen's Corona in 1953, Pope Pius XII, which this would be 1953, so just a year prior to the Immaculate Conception being defined, spoke of Our Lady in the very singular privilege, which was never granted to another person apart from Mary, that privilege being in leading up to what we'd understand as the Immaculate Conception, this was a privilege. This was an absolute gift. Pope Pius IX added when he talking about the Immaculate Conception that it must be, this belief, this understanding, this dogma that Our Lady was immaculately conceived, Pope Pius IX said that it must be firmly and constantly believed by all the faithful. In other words, we can't make up our own doctrine or maintain some other opinion. Pope Pius IX said that if we did so, it would be a shipwreck in faith for us, and that it would separate us from Catholic unity. Why would it be a shipwreck of faith? Why do we have to subscribe to this teaching of the church? Well, if you're Catholic, you and I are called to subscribe to all the teachings of the church, we're called to be in union with the church, but why do we have to be in union with the church? And why is it so important with regard to the fact, the dogma that Our Lady was immaculately conceived is revealed by the church? Because when we don't have continuity and union with the church, we have discontinuity within ourselves. When we try to live outside of the doctrines of the church, we live outside of the fullness of understanding the divine truth of God and what he is calling us to aspire to. The union that he so deeply desires that you and I have with him. And that union that our lady enjoyed in heaven with God, that union that our lady enjoyed here on earth with her son who she carried in her womb, that union is what we should be striving for. That union is what we celebrate and we admire and we aspire to. That although God may not have given you and I the gift of the Immaculate Conception ourselves or didn't give it to our children. Heck, I'm sure a lot of parents out there wish that they gave that gift to their children given the way they're living their lives today. What we know and we understand from this great gift is that Our Lady sets a model for what we can receive in grace from God as an absolute gift. And I think this is where my understanding of the immaculate conception uh, starts to come in is just the absolute gift of God's grace in our lives. Our lady when she was first when she first encountered uh, the angel Gabriel, the angel Gabriel referred to her as full of grace. This was the name the angel Gabriel used for her pure gift grace is a pure gift from god and he can give that pure gift to you and i perhaps not the immaculate conception because it's too late but do you understand that he can work miracles in our lives so i want to come back and walk through some of the readings as uh, some key passages from the mass readings that we read today at mass this is the holy day of obligation if you haven't ma- haven't made it to mass yet be sure to go find that mass time um, we're going to unpack some of those readings, the key phrases to help us understand the pure gift of the Immaculate Conception. And I'll share with you, uh, really, especially why I've been praying that the baby would come today on the feast day of the Immaculate Conception. I have a spirit, very special connection to this solemnity in light of some of the fertility challenges I myself have had. So hopefully, my producer Jim will stop praying that the baby doesn't come, that the baby doesn't come today. But I'll share with that with you in just a moment here on Trending. Radio. You're listening to Trending with the Timmery. Happy Advent. Continuing on with our Advent hymns. There are many, even though I'll Come Emmanuel and I'll Come Divine Messiah are still some of my favorite ones. I might be tired of them, though, by the time we get to Christmas. Um, let's talk about the Immaculate Conception. So we've been unpacking what the Immaculate Conception is, and I want to talk a little bit about how it's been significant for me in my life, and part of that comes from understanding What the Immaculate Conception is that it's an absolute gift from God, that God preserved Our Lady from original sin, and that while you and I may not have that gift of preservation from original sin, and therefore the preservation from concupiscence, and no matter how badly you wish your child or you might have had it, given things that have happened in yours or their lives, that God is so powerful. He gives us the greatest gifts the greatest gifts, and that he can work other miracles in our lives, and that the value of the human person is so great to God that he sent his only son to die for the remission of our sins. And that he gave us Our Lady as this beautiful example and model to understand the beauty of what God can do for the human person, you and I as well, just in a different way. We each have our own story. And so unpacking some of the readings from today for the feast, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Let's pause just for a moment and look at some of those readings. So the first reading came from Genesis chapter 3, where we read about the fall and the curses of the fall of Adam and Eve. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all cattle and above all wild animal." Upon your belly, you shall go. This is the, the the punishment for the snake. But then the punishment for the human person, for Adam and Eve is, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, what God is showing, the punishment for the fall, for the punishment for Adam and Eve in the garden, doing the one thing he told them not to do, is that there would be Discontinuity. There would be enmity between Adam and Eve, between male and female, right, representing all of us, and there would be discontinuity within themselves. That's why they're striking at one another. There would be this low view that they would hold of the other person in disregard that we would have as human beings one for another. But then it's Our Lady through the Immaculate Conception, Mary, who is the new Eve, the perfect Eve. Saved from that sin and that sully, Mary shows the elevated dignity of the human person that you and I are capable of through Christ and faith. So then that's the first reading. I think, you know, again, tying it to Our Lady, that's the juxtaposition, the transformation. And then Psalm 98, we read, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. So then we start to transition to this celebration that even after the whole, horribleness of the curse and the fall of Adam and Eve, we're already transitioning into this celebration of, oh, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. What has he done? Well, in Ephesians chapter one, we read, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. So what Paul's talking about is that God intended for us to be preserved and perfected in him from the foundation of the world. This was his intention from the beginning. But we have free will. But God can still work, even in the midst of our brokenness, to transform us. And he wants us to be holy and blameless before him. But think about the first words of St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. That is, all good gifts come from God. So God works miracles. God works good in our lives. As we read Psalm 98, he has done marvelous things. But then take us to the gospel that we heard today in Luke chapter 1. We hear the angel Gabriel, the annunciation of the angel Gabriel to the blessed Virgin Mary. At the end of that annunciation narrative... We hear the angel Gabriel say, For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary says, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary's fiat. There are three S's that we see in our lady at this moment. She, her submission, her willingness to be a servant, and her surrender. She completely submits herself to the will of God. She surrenders. She lets go of everything, giving herself totally to him, and she's willing to be his servant. With total hope and trust, our lady enters into the mission that God has given her. She still has free will, although preserved from original sin, she is exercising her free will. The Immaculate Conception is this moment where we tie all of these readings together and we see that hope and trust in Our Lady's fiat. We see that God is preparing the human person, that his intention from the foundation of the world, as St. Paul says in Ephesians 1, is that we should be holy and blameless before him. That the psalmist in Psalm 98 is saying, Sing to the Lord a new song, for God has done marvelous things. All of this is what the intention for the human person has been, even amidst the, the brokenness of the world that we experience as we read about in Genesis chapter 3 in that first, in that very first reading today. For with God, nothing will be impossible is what the angel Gabriel says. And I keep thinking about the miracles God has worked in my own life and how this connects all to the Immaculate Conception. This day is a particularly special day for me because I remember back in 2019, I had gotten married that year and I think it was about, I think it was 27 when I got married. And I already knew because of, you know, health issues with thyroid and polycystic ovarian syndrome, Hashimoto's disease and other issues that it's a strong likelihood it was going to be very difficult to conceive children if I was going to be able to have children. It was something, you know, I was aware of that my husband and I before marriage had kind of talked about during our years of dating. I didn't know. It was an unknown. I wasn't Afraid of it, but I knew it was a potential and so here, lo and behold, I got married in twenty nineteen and we're hopeful for children, and we're coming to we got married at the beginning of twenty nineteen we're nearing the end of twenty nineteen and A bishop that I know kept asking me to come to his office so that he could pray with me and pray over me. And he kept asking and asking. I thought, okay, you know, I don't know why. Okay, fine, I'll go. And it was on the Feast or the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception 2019. I finally go. And he's, you know, praying over me. And he's praying these deliverance prayers and um, prayers of exorcism over me. And It wasn't what I was expecting. And he's questioning me about, you know, is there any concern about being able to have children or, you know, he's asking about, you know, the different things that I've been working on. And he ends up praying for deliverance from demonic activity that could pre- prevent me from having children. And I'm just, like, floored sitting here going, okay, you know, you kind of connect all these other things with regard to concern of children. You don't think about it. And he said, especially because of the pro-life work that I had been involved in since I was very young, that this could be something that could be oppressing potentially um, Making things difficult to conceive. And as I was there in his office on the f- Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, I just saw as I, my eyes are closed and he's praying over me and he has this giant Benedictine cross uh, over me and he's praying. And I saw the outline of Our Lady and I just kept hearing her say, I am the Immaculate Conception. I remember just going, okay, I see this silhouette outline of Our Lady. And again, I just hear it being said, I am the Immaculate Conception. And just in that moment, I knew I had this peace and not that I was anxious about, but I had this peace of, okay, in God's will and God's timing, he conceived our lady immaculate. He did this incredible, mysterious miracle in our lady's life. He can work miracles in our lives too. He works miracles every day that we don't realize or recognize or know. And God, I've always said, is the God of miraculous pregnancies and births. And it was a reminder for me that the Immaculate Conception is that representation, that celebration of the good and perfect gift that God gives to all of us with His Son, with Our Lady, and that He's just waiting to give to us. And He gives us gifts in different ways. I I can tell you that the mystery of the gift of having children has been one of awe for me to this day because, you know, lo and behold, you know, that was 2019 the immaculate Conception. A few months later, we still hadn't conceived a baby, and again, I was pretty calm and at peace. And the priest who married us came over to our house early in March of 2020, and he said, "What's going on? Why haven't you guys had a kid?" <laughs> Very bluntly asked, and I said, "Well, you know, we'll see what happens." And you know, I told him about my Hashimoto's disease and PCOS and what we're working through uh, health-wise, and. Out of nowhere, he completely surprises me and says, I'll be right back. I'm going to my car. And he comes back and gives me the sacrament of anointing of the sick. And I was just floored. It was something, you know, you kind of just even knowing the theology of, the, of anointing of the sick, unless you're dying or you're old, it's not really something you expect. And I was a little kind of um, uneasy from that gift going, okay, Lord, you know, this, this is what the priest decided. It's not something I requested. Okay, I receive the anointing of the sick. Three weeks later, we conceived and we were pregnant. And I say this, I was our little miracle baby in many ways from many things, but especially anointing the sick. Well, fast forward uh, to the beginning, uh, end of October, beginning of November, and I'm struggling through my pregnancy. I wasn't sharing everything that was going on, but I was really struggling with some pretty severe preterm labor. And baby girl needed to keep cooking. And I was, you know, really, I was on a modified um, activity and really wasn't capable of a lot. And I go to mass one day and my mom keeps asking this priest, can you just pray over Tim or, you know, this is what's going on. And he tells me, you know, to stand there and kneel and he gives me anointing of the sick again. And God has just ordained and allowed this, not something I saw after. I remember just sitting there in tears going, okay, Lord, here I am again. And I keep coming back to this gift that God has the most perfect gifts for all of us, each different and that through his gift, through his mercy, through his sacraments, he's preparing us to be with him. But we have to allow our free will to cooperate in this great gift that he has for us. And as we celebrate the Immaculate Conception here today, as we await the birth of our Lord, it's that opportunity, it's that moment for us to admire the great gift of our lady, the transformation of her, through the Immaculate Conception, and the great value of ourselves and others, and the work of God's grace and mysterious love that he has in store for you and I.